Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm preaching on prayer today as we are in this season of prayer. This, this may seem very basic to some people um, because this prayer is a basic of our faith. But I'll, I want to take some time to teach you on some just basic ways of how you can turn your prayer time into a prayer life. A, a prayer life is different from having uh, a weekly prayer time, but prayer life is when is when prayer becomes a part of your daily life. And I believe that that's God's plan for us, the church, is to be a house that prays. Uh, and so I'm going to teach you some basic things, and I want you to be taking some notes because I believe you can apply this to your life today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. That's a, another term for a modern-day church, what we would call a church, on the corners of the streets that they, may, uh, be, be, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will will reward you openly and when you pray do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many words therefore do not be like them for your father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask him in this manner therefore pray our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Often we use the term time is of the essence, and it is a reality. We are constantly fighting against the clock. I was, uh, I've seen a lot of you do on Facebook the 10 years challenge, and you post pictures of how you have changed, or some of you have not changed, most of you have in the last 10 years. And you look at yourself and you're like, wow, time, time has flown by. And it seems just like yesterday, I was on a meeting uh, this week uh, planning some things uh, for the college that I graduated from, and I realized it was 22 years ago when I actually started college, and I immediately felt very, very old. And time is of the essence, and whenever you look back on the phrase, time is of the essence, you will find that it really started as a uh, it started as a legal phrase used in the courtroom, and it signified the length of time that one party has to complete its obligation to the other party in the trial. And truly, time is of the essence because we, we certainly have a period of time right now. We, 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 we are wrestling against the clock with an obligation that we have to fulfill the will of God for our lives, to fulfill what it is that God has for us, to reach the harvest before the trumpet sounds. Time is of the essence, 
And we need to constantly be evaluating what we are doing with our time. Because certainly at the beginning of year, people are looking at, re at resolutions. But if you don't watch it, you can spend all day on your phone. You can spend all day playing a video game. You can spend all day uh, sitting on the couch uh, binging on Netflix I feel conviction in the room suddenly. But whatever it is, you can spend your day, and before you know it, the day is gone. Time is of the essence. So we must be constantly evaluating what we are doing. I even talk to staff, and when I'm talking to staff, uh, a question that I ask a lot is, is about productivity. It's not because I do not believe they're being productive, but I want them to be using their time as wisely as possible. I want the staff to be working smart and, and, and utilizing and being good stewards of the time that God has given us. A time is definitely of the essence, and we need to continuously be looking at and evaluating our time. What, what, what are we doing that we should not be doing? What are we doing that is not productive? What are, we, what are we doing that we should be doing more of? Because often full and busy calendars become like a trophy. How many times when somebody asks you or you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? Uh, what's going on? Oh, I'm just busy. Busy, busy, busy. And for some reason, that makes us feel special. That makes us feel like we like 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 we are accomplishing something. We are we are juggling sports and we're juggling kids in school and our jobs in church. And well, we're just busy. And for some reason, a full busy calendar has become a trophy. Uh, but really, those don't mean much because often busy calendars can lead to empty souls. I said busy calendars can lead to empty souls when you are so focused on everything around you that you can stop focusing on what means the most the lord in your life you uh, this is this is a word for if you are a leader in any uh, uh, in any aspect of life, uh, you need to get this in your notes. You have to inspect what you expect. You have to look at what you are expecting. If you have people under you and you have expectations of them, sometimes you have to go and make sure they're doing their job, right? That's, that is your job as a boss, as a supervisor. Sometimes you have to, uh, students won't like this, but guess what? If you parents are paying for their phone, you have the ability to to inspect what is happening on their phone. Can I get an amen? Why? Because you are paying for it. And if you have the expectations that your child should not be doing something or looking at something, you should be inspecting it and being sure that they are not looking at it. Can I get an amen this morning? You have to inspect what you expect. And if you do not have inspections of your expectations, you are actually lowering, lowering your expectations. And then your expectations are no longer expectations, but then they become what ifs. What if What if this were to happen? And then your what ifs become, well, it's just not meant to be because it didn't happen. No, it may have been meant to be, but you did not, you did not make it a priority. You were not inspecting it. You were not making sure everything was happening like it is supposed to be. The most valuable asset that we have is time. Is time. When someone gives you your time, it is, it is, it is such a valuable 
gift. And often whenever you spend it, you it's very hard to get time back. It, it, it moves on. So, so the way you invest your time is significant this year. How many of you know that you make time for whatever is important to you? If something is important to you, you will make time for it. If your job is important, you make time for your job. If your kids are important, you make time for your children. If your spouse is important, you will make time for your spouse. If the Lord is important, you will make time for the Lord. And sometimes we, we hear people saying, well, I don't have time to pray. I, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time, quiet time. You know, I don't have the time to be quiet. I just don't have it. And to that, I would say to you, oh, yes, you do. You, you, the problem is you just have other things that have consumed your prayer time. You have made your priorities out of line, and you have put something in the prayer spot that should have never been allowed there. And you need to understand that a prayer life that I'm talking about and teaching about this morning, it doesn't just automatically happen. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's not a gift that you get from birth. Is your, your, your prayer life is just continuously. But if you want your life to become a prayer life where you are praying every day and you are seeking his face and, and, and you know his voice and you know he's hearing you, you have to deny and decide. You have to deny some things and decide some things if you want your life to be a life full of prayer. You have to deny some things. There are some things that will drain you. Can I get an amen? I should get a bigger amen when I say there are some people that will drain you. Can I get an amen? You have, to, you have to deny some people access to your ear whenever you get in a prayer life. Because whenever you get in a prayer life, there will be people that talk you out of praying. There will be people that starts confusing your mind and you can't even think to pray. Can I get an amen? You have to deny some people access to your brain and to your ear and say, no, I, I'm sorry, but today you cannot have my ear. There are some people that will drain you. They will literally suck the life out of you. And whenever you see them in Walmart, you quickly make a, a beeline down the frozen section. And you sometimes you want to jump in the freezer so they don't see you. We all have those people. Don't lie to me. We've all seen those people like, please don't talk to me. I'm just going to look down. Don't make eye contact. Hey, how are you? It's so good to see you. And then you're like, here we are. An hour later, you're still in that conversation. And they have drained you. Sometimes you've got to deny and then you have to decide today I will pray. I don't care what happens today. I don't care if a tornado comes. I don't care what happens. I'm going to pray today. And sometimes you've got to make the decision the day before. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up 20 minutes early. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I don't sleep a wink tonight. I'm getting up 20 minutes early and I'm going to pray. You have to deny and decide if you want your life to be a life of prayer and to make the most of your time and to develop a prayer life, you've got to deny and to decide some things. Listen, every time that you begin to pray, every time whenever you are in a moment of breakthrough prayer for your life. Every time you find yourself about to get in a breakthrough, about to break through into the answer, listen, you will always have a desire to quit praying. You will always have a desire to quit just before a breakthrough. But the breakthrough always comes because you did not quit. Amen? Breakthroughs are activated by push-throughs. Push-throughs. This has been a week of push-throughs for me and for 
for others. And so many times it's been like, we can't even go no further. And I said, no, we are going to push through this. Why? Because there is always a harvest on the other side of a push through. Whenever you feel like quitting and you push through and you break through, there is always a harvest of something. And every time I feel Satan attacking the church like he has the last couple of weeks, I know there is about to be an increase in numbers. Why? It happens every time. Because every time we start to pray and fast, the devil comes and he cannot stand it. And then we get through that season and then there is an increase of souls that get saved in these altars. I am telling you how it works. It is just the way it works. There is power when the people of God say, I will not quit, but I'm going to push through this thing. I'm going to push through this situation. I'm going to push through this mountain and I'm going to get through the other side of this. The number one reason why prayer is so difficult is because Satan hates it when people start to pray. He cannot stand you praying. It's it's it's, it's not as bad if you go to church because there are people that, that, that will be sitting on church pews today. They will not be active. They will not listen. They will be on their phone. They'll be playing video games. Nothing will enter into their brain. So he's really not, he's really not that uh, upset whenever you go to church. But whenever you start praying, Satan cannot stand it when the people of God start activating a weapon of prayer. Amen. He cannot, he cannot stand it. And Daniel in the Bible, we saw, he started activating a weapon of prayer. The word says for 21 days. This is where we get the Daniel fast. Praying and fasting for 21 days. This man named Daniel is praying and fasting for 21 days. And he probably had a moment like a lot of you have probably had this week where it felt like your prayers could not get out of the room. Your prayers could not get out of your prayer closet. Anybody ever been there like, I don't think anybody's hearing. I've been there as a pastor where it felt like nothing is happening. I can't see it. I'm not hearing from the Lord. It feels like my prayers are not making it out of of this room. And for 21 days, he began to get frustrated and stressed out and worn out. And then all of a sudden, on the 21st day, an angel appears to him and says, Listen, listen, buddy, I know you're tired. I know you've been banging your head against the wall. I know you are frustrated. But let me tell you something. I heard you the very first day you began to pray. As soon as you said, Our Heavenly Father, guess what? I heard you. Satan cannot stand it. He hates it when you activate the weapon of prayer because he knows that God hears the prayers of his people and that the prayers have the ability to shake the heavens. I said your prayers have the ability to shake the heavens. Your prayers not only have the ability to shake the heavens, but it also has the ability to let hell know that to not mess with you. Amen? Because that is the power of prayer. Yes, there are moments of suddenlies. We even saw suddenlies in the Bible, suddenly there came like a like like a rushing mighty wind. Suddenly, those moments are great when it's like you pray and suddenly it happens. It's like you pray right now, God, I cannot pay my bills, and then you go home and check your mailbox, and there's a thousand dollars in your mailbox. Yes, those happen, those suddenlies where but, but there's also those moments when it feels like you've been praying day after day, week after week, year after year, and you've been calling out to him, and that's when the 
enemy begins to whisper in your ear and tell you that, 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 that what you've been believing is a lie. He tells you that his promises are not yes and amen. He will tell you that the word of God is a lie. He will tell you that the Lord cannot and will not hear you. But listen, the next time you find yourself in that season, that's when you need to practice what we talked about last week. And that when next time you hear it, that's when, whenever you hear that voice of the devil lie to you, that's when you need to put your foot on Satan's head, amen. And you need to remind him that God sent his son and he shed his blood for you. That's when you need to remind him of a place called Calvary. That's when you need to remind him of that the tomb is empty today, that's when you need to remind him that he needs to stop whispering in your ear and that you'll never stop praying because the Lord hears his children. If prayer is ever difficult, it means one thing. You are a human being. If prayer is ever difficult, if prayer is ever a challenge, it does not mean that you're not spiritual. It does not mean that the Lord doesn't love you or hear you. That's not what it means. But in Matthew chapter 6, he said, when you pray, Jesus is talking here. Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray, he said, when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites. Huh. This is interesting. Do not pray like the hypocrites. What is so interesting is that there are hypocrites that are praying. Hmm. Hypocrites do pray. We thought people that don't pray, that call themselves Christians, we thought that those were the hypocrites. But he said hypocrites are praying. Guess what? Not everybody that prays is right with the Lord. That's why you've got to be careful. Because how many times has someone walked up to you and said, you know what? When I was in my prayer closet, the Lord gave me a word for you. And this is the word. Some of those words may be true, but this is why you have to be in tune this year. Because the word says in the last days there will be false prophets. People that say they've been with the Lord. There will be hypocrites. People that have been praying, but it's not a true word. That's why you have to be in a right frame of mind whenever you're walking down the streets. So whenever somebody comes to you and say, I've got a word for you, you can't grab hold of it until you've prayed into it and through it yourself. I told first service, when I was in college, I had about three girls come up to me and said, the Lord said, I'm going to marry you. And I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> Ain't going to happen, sister. Keep on looking. I ain't the one. That's why you've got to be in a, he says, pray continually. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean everywhere you're going, you're just praying, praying, praying. But it is, you, you, you've got to be open for conversation with the Lord. For him to speak to you and you to speak to him. Because hypocrites even pray. In Matthew chapter 6, he said, he, said, uh, he said, whenever you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites. Do not, do not pray. What he was doing is what he was doing is he was he was getting to the motive. He was, I'm sorry, I'm hearing so much ringing and it and it and it's and it's starting to get to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get through it. I'm pushing through it. I just want to let you know. Whew. 
whenever you start praying and you and uh, whenever you start getting into it here he's 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 trying to get to the motives of 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 why why do you pray he's trying to make sure that that your heart is right that your mind is right why are we praying that's why every person that comes up to you 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 you've got to be living in a in a, in a state of prayer so you know the word jesus is getting to the motive here he said he said do you pray so that others will just look at you? Do you pray so that when others hear you, they will say, oh man, I wish I could articulate the prayers that she does. Oh man, I know he's a prayer warrior. Oh, look at them. I can't imagine what their house is like. Him and her praying like that, their house just must be glory all the time. What? Why are you praying? What are your motives? Do you want man to hear you? If your motives are to be seen and to be heard by man and not to be seen or heard by the Lord. Quit acting like the hypocrites. Amen. Jesus said, guess what? They have their reward. Hypocrites will be rewarded. You want to know what their reward is? The applause of man. They'll have large followings. They'll have millions of people on Instagram. And we're sitting here like, how does it happen? Do not focus on those things. Do not focus on that. He said they will get their reward. They will get the applause. They will get the applause of man. That is their reward. The church is supposed to be made up of people that pray. He said my house shall be called a house of prayer. Guess what? Walls cannot pray. It's the people in the house that are doing the praying. And he said I want my people in the last days to be praying like never before. And when the house begins to pray and whenever you begin to pray this year, Year, he says, I will open up doors for you because whenever it becomes more about him than it is you, a door will be unlocked over this house. A door will be unlocked over your home. It may not get you the attention of man. It may not get you applause. It may not get you on the front page of the Rome News Tribune. It may not get you on the, it may not get you on CNN. It may not get you millions of followers on Instagram, but I don't know about you. But I'd rather be known by heaven and hated by hell than have a large following and have no power whenever I start to speak. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be known by heaven and hated by hell than have, a, than, 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 than have no power in my voice. That when something comes up in my home, that when something comes marching up against my family, that I can't speak to it and it has to be removed. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be known by heaven and hated by hell than have large followings. He says, he says who? Who are you trying to get to know you? I know, I know who you want to know, but who do you want to know you? I don't know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to, I don't, I want to know the voice of the Lord. I, whenever he speaks, I want to say, that is my father. And I want the Lord to know my voice. I want my voice to be a regular in his ear, and I want his voice to be a regular in my ear. And that only happens whenever we pray. I wonder today if we were to see all activity from people, from all all activity from people that 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 are only doing it for the applause of man, I wonder, I just wonder how much activity would actually be alive in the church today if we stopped all people that are singing because of man, if we stopped all people that are preaching because of man, if we stopped all gifts, if, if, if we stopped everybody from serving just because, just because they are trying to get the applause of man, I wonder how much activity would be alive in the church today. Hmm. 
don't be like the hypocrites. And there's always those people that say, I don't go to church. And you say, why? And they say, because of the hypocrites. How many have ever heard that? How many have ever tried to invite somebody to church? And you get the hypocrite conversation. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't like going to church. I don't want to go to church. Why? Because of the hypocrites. And to that, we need to ask them, do you want to go to church with hypocrites? Or would you rather go to hell with hypocrites? I don't know about you, but I'd rather go to church with a bunch of hypocrites than, 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 than burn with them in hell with hypocrites. I'd rather go to church with hypocrites than go to hell with hypocrites. Yes, there are fake people in the church. Just... I hate to break it to you, but there are fake people in the church. There are fake leaders in the church. There are people in the national eye that call themselves Christians, but they do not act like it. And it drives me crazy. But listen, not everybody in the church is fake. Can I get an amen? Yes, there are some crazy people. There are spiritual weirdos in the church. I'll be the first to admit it. Whenever the, you, you know who they are, somebody just flashed up in your mind right now of sister so-and-so. And you know who that is. Yes, there are weirdos in the church, but not every person in the church is a weirdo. This year, you better get over your excuses and get in love with the Lord because it's not about you and them. It's about you and him. And if you focus on you and them, guess what? You will let a hypocrite keep you out of the will of the Lord. There's no hypocrite going to keep me out of heaven. And and there's no hypocrite that's going to get me to hell. I can tell you that. And whenever you are focusing on you and them, the applause of man. A hypocrite can come in and be like, well, I, don't, I, I can't go to that church anymore. I can't do that anymore. I can't give anymore. I don't want to serve anymore. No, no. Whenever it becomes you and them, all of a sudden you start seeing this divine. It needs to come about you and him this year. That's how you get prayer life, when it becomes about you and him. But please, oh gosh, they're doing weird stuff up in that church. They're so crazy over there. They dance and they got lies. They loud music. They're all Pentecostal. Oh, the spirit's flowing. They say they can, oh, they talk about the river flowing. Oh, I, I hadn't seen water in that church. I don't know what they're talking about. This is so crazy. Let me tell you something. They were doing stupid stuff in the church since day one, and Jesus still died for them. Why? Because that's his love for the church. That's his love for the bride. You were meant to be in the church. And no hypocrite can keep you out of it. Your excuses are holding you back from a breakthrough. Your excuses are holding your family back. This year, church cannot be optional. This year, prayer cannot be optional. This year, the word cannot be optional. Well, I just don't like church folk. Well, you better get used to it because if you're going to heaven, you're going to see a bunch of church folk up in heaven. So you need to put on your big boy and big girl panties and underwear and pull up to the table and say, this year, Lord, I'm not looking at everybody around me. My eyes are focused on you. No hypocrite's going to stop me. I don't care what they're doing. It's me and you, Lord. The good thing about the church, this 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 is a good thing about the church. Yes, there are hypocrites. Yes, there are crazy people. Yes, there are pastors and leaders that will fail you. Yes, I get it. I understand. But the good thing about the church is that it's the perfect place for people with faults. Because there ain't nobody in here that's perfect. Look at your neighbor. If they look like they have it all together, they don't. I can promise you. There is something in their life that they're going through. 
If they're not going anything, anything through it today, I'll give them a week, and there will be something that sets them off. There will be something that makes them angry. There's going to be something that, that, that infuriates them. There's going to be something where, where, where they're just like, I don't know about this. Nobody is perfect. And the great thing about the church is it's the perfect place for people with faults. Nobody in here has it all together. Nobody in here is perfect. We are here not because of each other. Yes, that is part of the church. That, that, that is part of the church is fellowship. How many of you know fellowship with believers is very important? Listen, if you if you are online, don't hate me. But if you are online and you stay online and you never go to church, you are missing being a part of the church because you are not around like believers. That is part of the church. But listen, we are here today. We are alive today, not because we are perfect, but because the blood of Jesus. We are here today because of his amazing grace. We are here today because of his mercy. It has never failed us. You were not created to be a busy person that never has time for things of God. You may gain the whole world and lose your soul, but is it worth it? You were created to spend time with the Father. Look at your calendar. Where's Jesus? Hmm. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but your child Will not be a professional athlete in basketball, baseball, football, soccer, and swimming. It ain't going to happen. It don't work that way. Your child will not get a full scholarship because he's playing basketball, baseball, football, soccer, band, swimming, dive team. Rugby, cricket, lacrosse, wrestling, pickleball. Is that Mark? There he is, Mark. Mark. It don't happen that way. When will we as parents care much about their soul as we care about their sports schedule? It's tough. It's tough trying to keep up with the Joneses and trying to keep your child alive in Christ. You cannot do both. Let me break that off of you. Let me release you from it. You cannot do both. When will we say, you know what? You can't do all of that this year. But let me tell you something I am going to do. I'm going to make sure you're at church on Wednesday nights for youth group, youngin. I'm going to, I'm going to push him. I'm going to make sure it's happening. When will we do that for our generation? When? When will we stop pushing them to be in everything and, and just step back and say, but where, where is your soul? Where is your soul? What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? He said he said, look, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door 
Pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There is something about having a particular spot, a specific place that you pray, a specific chair that you sit in. There is something about it. Yes, you can pray anywhere and everywhere and anytime you want to. Pray without ceasing. But there is something about developing a, a, a prayer life, a life of prayer, about going into that same spot. Having that prayer closet, having that prayer room. And like I told first service, whenever you're doing your next home renovations and whenever you're buying a new house, you need to stop looking for man caves and she sheds and you need to start looking for prayer rooms. Where's the priority at? Man caves will take you away from the Lord. PS5 will take you away from the Lord. Don't throw anything. Your phone will take you away from the Lord. It will rob you of time with the Lord. What are we doing? He said, go into this room. Go into this room. And when you get in that place, he said, shut the door behind you. This is a key to a prayer life. Being able to shut the door. Being able to close yourself in. If you don't know how to shut the door of your prayer room, of your prayer life, stuff will follow you into that room. And your mind and your calendar and your kids, they'll start calling you. You need to tell your kids, listen, from this time to this time, don't call my name. I'm praying. I've told my staff, I said, look, I got two days of the week. Unless it's an emergency. I will be in my office with my door locked. You can come to my office on those days. I'm over there by myself with my door locked because that is my time. And if I don't have that time, I won't be able to stand up here before you on Sunday and preach. But I've got to say, look, yes, our staff has grown. The church has grown. But guess what? God is still number one in my life. And if I don't have my time with the Lord, I will let down the church. I will let down my family. If I don't have that time, so on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they know, unless it's an emergency, don't go knocking on his door. I'm not going to bite their head off, but they know, look, Tuesdays and Thursdays, that's his time. That's when he said, look, I am in the word. They know I'm writing sermons on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you text me and I don't text you immediately on Tuesdays and Thursdays, no, I have locked my door, my phone is off, and I'm in the word, and I'm in the prayer. Why? Because... For me to be effective, for me, for me to make the most of, of, of the time is of the essence, I have to evaluate my calendar. You need to evaluate your calendar this year. What is on your calendar that is eating up your time? Listen, you can't pray while holding your phone. Try it. You won't be praying too long. Before you know it, you'll be like Heavenly Father. Hallowed be thy name. I cannot believe they're dating. Oh, Lord, touch her. Mm -mm. Lord, speak to her right now. Oh, gosh. Lord, please let that sale continue to next week until I get paid again. Oh, God, Heavenly Father. And before you know it, you are praying through your Facebook about things that really don't matter. You can't pray holding your phone. You need to put your phone on the outside of that door, shut the door, and get into that place of prayer. That is what it's going to take this year to have a victorious 
prayer life is for you to put everything. Listen, there is nothing more important for you this year than to get alone with the Lord. You can't expect God to whisper in your ear when the world is screaming in your ear. It's hard to hear him. It's hard to hear him. Sometimes even, even myself as a pastor, with everything going around, sometimes it is hard for me to hear because I've been, I've been watching too much. I've been listening too much. And the thing, finally, Lord, I know what everybody else thinks about it. Lord, but what do you think about it? You've got you've, 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 you've to get to that place. He said, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father in his secret place. For your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There is a reward for people with a prayer life. Be careful before you start hating on people that are blessed by the Lord. Be careful before you start cursing people that were actually blessed by the Lord. Because if it's really blessings from the Lord, guess what? Something was happening a long time ago before it ever became public. They, were, they, they had locked themselves up in a prayer room somewhere praying. Be careful. Be careful who you let speak into your life. Be careful who you let have an ear. They may be watching today, and if so, so be it. Pastor called me weeks ago, wanting to meet. I did not feel comfortable about it. You can ask some people. I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't, I don't feel comfortable. I got there, and the whole time, he was telling me everybody he knows. I know Jensen Franklin. I know Rod Parsley. Like he, he's named on, and I'm just sitting here. Like none of that, none of that is amusing me. And then he goes on talking about the growth of Legacy Church. And he starts to put the growth down of Legacy Church. And Legacy is like my mama. You don't talk about it. You talk about my mama, you talk about Legacy. It's a bad day. And I'm just sitting here, I'm just looking at him with my resting chase face. <laughs> I say, what? And he was like, well, you know, uh, so many people have questioned your theology uh, that have come to me, and I'm like, I said, oh, really? I said, give me their names. That's what I said to him. He's like, well, you know, that wouldn't be very, and I said, listen, I love you, I appreciate you, but I really don't care. And he's looking at me, and he's like, you know, well, well, people don't like it, you know, that you were posting about how many people were saved this Sunday. And I said, I don't care. If I've got to sit and read about how many people have died from COVID, I want to post about how many people are living again through Jesus Christ. I said, I love you, and I bless you. And I just sat there, and I sat there. And finally, I said, like, well, this conversation's over. Have a great day. And he's like, well, I've been watching you. And I said, well, praise the Lord. I hope you're watching again this morning. But here we are in this season. you got to be careful who you let have in your ear. Because I could have sat there, and he's like, you know what? Uh, People are questioning your theology. He said, I think it's because you, you're, you bring too much excitement on the stage when you preach. In that moment, I'm not going to lie, I stepped out of the door and I questioned my preaching method for about five seconds. Then I felt the spirit rise up in me. It was not a spirit of hate. 
but it was like fire in my bones. It said, Chase, keep on doing what you're doing. Preach louder, preach harder, dance more, shout more, sing more. Why? Because he sent his son to die for me. And if he sent his son to die for me, excuse me while I get excited in the house of the Lord. Excuse me when I get excited about 135 people that walked down to an altar and found Jesus Christ. Pardon me while I shout. Be careful who you let in your ear. Because everybody that comes to you, they may be praying. But why are they praying? Who are they seeking? What are they doing? Be careful before you start bashing somebody's blessing. Because you never know what they went through to get there. 135 people just don't get saved in a church. I've never been into a church where people are continuously saved. Isn't that sad? And I stand back sometimes and say, Lord, why would you do it here? And he said, I've heard your prayers. I've seen your fasting. I've seen you when nobody else saw you locked up in a room somewhere. And nobody knew what you were reading. Nobody knew what you were praying. Nobody knew you were fasting. He said, I've seen you and I've heard you. I see the people that come on Saturdays and pray. I've seen the people that are fasting with you. I have seen it and I have heard it. I don't care what everybody else is saying. This is about me and you. Your prayer life can revolutionize your life. Van, help me out. I'm closing. He said, when you pray, pray like this. I honestly believe that he was saying, you don't have to say these exact words. He's saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm building you a template on how to pray. A template where you can use and plug your words into it. He said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jot this down. What, what is that first line? First, he acknowledged him. Listen, you cannot acknowledge that the Lord is in your midst. You cannot acknowledge that the God that spoke the universe is hearing you without letting out a little bit of worship. He started acknowledging him and worshiping him. Why? The word says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Listen. If you're trying to develop a prayer life, you need to start out by acknowledging him. Then he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What, what does that template mean for your prayers? Listen. Whenever you pray, if you don't have a mindset of the kingdom, you're not understanding the full potential and power of prayer. You've got to be able to see beyond where you are and see the entire kingdom. You, Whenever you're praying, you are praying for God's will for your life. Amen. He says, then he said, give us this day our daily bread. What does that mean? I believe he was reminding them that prayer is a daily task. He said, give us this day our daily bread. If you go back to the Old Testament, whenever the, the tribe, uh, when, when the nation of Israel was wandering, if you remember, he rained down fresh manna from heaven. It was a daily encounter. Why? Because he was in covenant with them. He was reminding, not only is this a daily task, but prayer is expressing your side of the covenant with me daily. Whenever you are in covenant with somebody, if you 
are in covenant with your spouse, if you have stood in an altar and you've swapped rings and you kissed the bride, you are now in a covenant with that person. Guess what? It is an everyday experience. If you go a week without talking to your spouse, the covenant starts to split. You start moving away from each other. He said, this is a daily covenant with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Then he said, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Seek forgiveness whenever you pray. Do you want to know how you get something under the blood? You don't get something under the blood because you were saved when you were eight years old. But every time you fall, every time you give way to that addiction, every time you give way to that thing, guess what? You go to, you go in prayer to the Father. And whenever you get forgiveness, it is putting it under the blood. Amen. If you've got anything in your life that you need to get under the power of the blood of the Lamb, you go into this time of prayer. He said, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. He said, lead us not into temptation. What are you doing? You need to pray for guidance. Order my steps, oh Lord. Lord, I can't do this without you. Your word says that the steps of the righteous men are ordered. How do we know our steps? How do we know what you are ordering? Through prayer. He said, but deliver us from evil. You need to seek deliverance. Often whenever we think deliverance, we think demonic things. Yes, that is that that that, that is a part of deliverance. But whenever you are praying, he said you need to be reminded that you cannot get yourself out of everything. You need to be reminded that you can't counsel yourself out of everything. That doctors cannot prescribe you out of everything. But there are some things that you will go through that you've got to pray, God, deliver me. Delivering means when he reaches down and plucks you out of a situation and puts your feet on the rock to stay. Sometimes whenever you're praying, you've got to remember that there are some situations that only God can get you out of. He said, but deliver us from evil. Then he said, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. He sealed it with the praise. He started with worship and he ended it. Oh, Lord. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. All glory belongs to you forever and ever. He started with some worship and he ended it with the praise. It will change your life forever. You want to know how to pray? There it is. You want to know how to start a prayer life? There it is. 